0: Alright friends, good morning. So glad to see all of you. God is doing something really special in this church because you're here. Huh? Amen? Very, very special. Would you please hold this for me? Thank you. God bless you. Nice to see all the young people and the uh, people that were young not too long ago. It's good to see you too. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Something special is getting ready to happen in this church and in your life. Amen, I said. All this month, I'm going to be teaching on the gift of giving. Say the gift of giving. Well, Brian, sounds like you're hard up for money. That's why you want to preach about money. No, I'm not hard up for money, bro. I'm doing pretty good, let me tell you. And it's getting easier all the time, too. Whoa, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, that's the way it's supposed to be. Say amen. amen. You can say amen. That's all right, all right? Okay. No, I'm not trying to get your money. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to teach you biblical economics. Now, all your Bible heroes were rich. You can go to church your whole life and they won't tell you that. But all your Bible heroes were rich. Now, I had a guy come up to me one time and say, yeah, but what about the others of Hebrews chapter 11? I said, well, if you read Hebrews chapter 11, it's very interesting. It says, others did not accept deliverance. I'm accepting me some deliverance, bro. I don't know about you. I needed it real bad. I mean, when you're a million dollars in debt, you need some deliverance. When the doctor says you got to die, you need some deliverance. My friendly neighborhood preacher's suggestion to you is that you receive it and accept it. Why not? You know, God has been trying to pour out his blessings on the church for 2,000 years. And a lot of us have been saying, oh, no, I'm just so unworthy. So he has to give it to the heathen. I'm going to be nice today, all right? You, better <laughs> you listen nice, I'll preach nice, okay? God wants to pour out his blessings on people. I've had people ask me, you, you know, will God make heathen people rich? You better believe it. I know that grates against our Christianity. I can, the, I can hear the stylus going across the vinyl, right? Well, wait a minute. Will God save heathen people? Why wouldn't, he, why wouldn't he bless them financially? Will God heal heathen people? I've seen him do it. Well, why wouldn't he bless heathen people? God loves everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso, whosoever? I thought it was just the perfect little church people like me. No, it's for whosoever's. Aren't you glad it's for whosoever? Yeah. Believeth in him shall not perish but have zoe life. And brother, if you got Zoe life working in you, things are just going to work out in your life. Amen. Amen. You're going to have the wisdom of God. You can take the wisdom of God, take a nickel, and parlay it into a fortune. Amen. Amen. You can use kingdom principles of sowing and reaping. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Did you hear her on the podcast last week? <laughs> there's, a, there's a text. To, you can text to get the app. I forgot where that is, but it's in there somewhere. Um, Maybe we'll get that up on the screen here sometime. I don't know. I didn't ask her to do it. so. But you can text to get the app. It'll come right to your phone where you can get my podcasts. You, you need to hear my podcasts over and over and over again. Right? Amen. I listen to them over and over again. All right. Praise the Lord. Faith comes by what? Fury. And by what? Fury. And by what? Fury. Right? Not by having heard. Aren't you glad? Right? It don't by coming having heard. What you heard last week is not doing you any good. It's what you're hearing this week that's going to help you. Amen. Praise the Lord. The gift of giving. Say the gift of giving. The gift of giving. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Well, Lord, I'm worshiping you, and I'm, I'm asking you, Lord, from the bottom of my heart that you will help me to deliver this in a way that people can receive it, so that it will change our lives, change our outlook. In Jesus' name. Change the results that we are getting. There's people in this room that need results. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, I'm just going to tell you, friend, that whatever you're struggling with, what I'm going to teach you today is is primarily and principally about finances, but it'll work in any area of your life. If you have a grinding addiction that won't leave you alone, this will get you out. If you have uh, problems in the home, what I'm going to teach you today will get you out. If the doctor says, you know, we don't have an answer for this, you're just going to have to deal with this from now on, this will change it. Amen. Uh, If you're a million dollars in debt, this will change it. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's called the perfect law of liberty. So I'm going to share with you again on the gift of giving. Now I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to uh, Genesis chapter 4. Let's look at verse 1. I'm just going to read my screen here so I can look. It makes me look intelligent when I can just kind of look at the camera, like, right, right? Okay. In the King James, let's go with the King James today, all right? Now, you better hang on tight. You go to school your whole life, and the professors, they don't know this. I've been to higher education. I've been in the university, and they don't know what I'm going to teach you today. I come from a long line of professors, and they didn't teach me this. Doctorates stacked up in my family like, <laughs> like some people play gin rummy, you know? All right. Are we doing okay with the—I don't see it here. That's okay. i got a Bible. I can read my Bible. Huh? Genesis 4.1. Did I, did, I did I fail to give you the reference? Huh? I'm just getting warmed up here, you know. There it is. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And said, I have gotten a man from the Lord, which is the meaning of the boy's name, right? And uh, she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time... It came to pass, in the in the, um, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Say offering. offering. Okay. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Say offering. offering. Just a little bit slower. Okay, a little. You're doing good. Just a little bit slower. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very angry. And you can see it on his face. Okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Now if you go back here to verse 4, I believe it is. Please. Um, This word offering at the very end of this verse, do you see it there? Mm -hmm. The Lord had respect to Abel and to his offering. Now we've talked about this many times. The Bible says, go back one more verse please to verse 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now, what was the description of his offering? Can anybody describe his offering? Anybody? This is plain and simple, huh? She says plain. What'd you say, sister? Fruit of the ground. Was it special? No. It doesn't say it was special, does it? Okay. Uh, Next, please. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Can you describe his offering? His first and his best. Can you see it? I mean, everybody knows the fat's the best part, right? <laughs> Don't take me out to, uh, for a ribeye steak that's got all the fat trimmed off it, all right? <laughs> bring, me, bring that fat out here, right? Amen. amen. And all the keto people said amen. All right, okay. <laughs> okay, so this word offering in the Hebrew Bible... I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but it means a present. <coughs> Say present. present. Now, we're coming up on Christmas, and I already got everything, okay? that's not okay. <laughs> Have you ever given somebody a present and they didn't appreciate it? Yeah. I come from a long line of people where, you know, you, I mean, it's, it's tricky. People can get their feelings hurt over a present you give the wrong gift. I remember one time I had a great aunt that lived out in Kansas. I Had a lot of great aunts out in Kansas. You know, they live a long time out there. And I was a little kid, little, and she couldn't remember, you know, when you're the great aunt, you can't remember the, the whole family tree and who had a boy and who had a girl. And I remember they, I was a little kid and for Christmas, she gave me a um, a girl toy. She didn't know that my mom and dad had a girl and a boy. She thought that they had two girls. So I got a girl toy. And I'll never forget the devastation. <laughs> Say present. present. A, a present. I mean, when you're given a present, you really want it to be received, don't you? Yeah. I mean, that's part of it, right? So Cain didn't take the time or invest enough of his heart and soul, in this present to see that it would be accepted. But Abel did. Now it says here at the end of verse 4, And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. The Lord received the offering, and so he received the man. I just think this is very unusual, this is rare Bible teaching I've been in church off and on my whole life, and I've never, I've never heard this. Now, maybe somebody said it, maybe I wasn't listening, I don't know, but I've just never heard it quite like this. Next verse, please. But Cain, unto Cain and to his offering he did not have respect. He didn't respect the offering and he did not, he did not accept the offering and he did not respect the man. That is not a good place to be. Now listen, don't 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 be afraid. Don't be afraid. The Bible has something called dispensations. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yep. This was called the dispensation of conscience. It was the period of time between Adam and Moses where a man just because he had, uh, Adam had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, now man has a conscience that is presumably guiding him. I mean, that's all he's got. He doesn't have the Holy Ghost living inside him anymore. So all he knows is, well, that's wrong. I wish I could do right. Probably can't. And so there's a lot of condemnation. So in the dispensation of conscience, the model was to give presence to God. God. By the way, you're not under that dispensation anymore. Amen? Amen? Yeah. That doesn't mean you can't give a present to your daddy. Yeah. All right. Moving right along, please, to the next dispensation. Is it okay if I, if I teach? Is that all right? Can, you, can I teach some? Or do I have to just wave my arms like a windmill and spray spit everywhere and get everybody all riled up? No. I could do that. But I want you to have something you can use on the street on Monday morning. The next dispensation is the dispensation of the law under Moses. And Moses under the law in Exodus chapter 25. This is one of the first things they said after they crossed the Red Sea, got to the other side, right? Exodus 25.1. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord Jesus. I worship you, Lord. Yes, Lord, I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. There it is. Thank you very much. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying... Next, please. Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Now, this this term, instead of present, is contribution. Because uh, this was... Uh, God's government system being set up in Israel. And in order to fund that government, everybody was required to contribute. Speaking to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that gives it, with a willing, uh, that gives it willingly with his heart, you receive an offering from the willing-hearted givers. Now, they were commanded to give an offering, but they were also... Moses was saying, if it's not willing, don't receive it. You know, there's just something special about a willingness. That's like what John was talking about today, you know? Now, a a lot of us, when it comes to tithing, I'll take a quick little side journey on tithing. A lot of us when it comes to tithing We know it's true We know it works We know it's right And I got to tell you Most of the people in this church are, are, are off the charts Awesome, loyal, faithful tithers But it's easy to get sidetracked Now what I don't want to do is, is, is put you in bondage By saying the whole tithe goes to the local church I've been in churches where they say that and they make you feel bad if you don't tithe right here every penny. I'm I'd rather go broke. I'd rather live under a bridge than put you under guilt and condemnation like that. Can you say amen? But on the other hand, I can just tell you by the time I'm done today, I'm going to show you that if you're if you're deeply connected with this fellowship, there's going to be something called fellowship. And fellowship means I share It means we share. It means share and share alike. We're supposed to share vision. That's why we talk about our vision here before we start, right? We're supposed to share a common purpose. We're supposed to understand and share that we are of the same, cut from the same spiritual cloth. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. We're supposed to understand that God has us in a household where there is a where there is a flow of authority from the head of the church through the leadership of the church to the members of the to the leaders uh you know the different strata of leadership in the church down to the members of the church. It's supposed to be a flow of understood authority and protection and provision and prosperity that's supposed to flow in the kingdom from God the Father, through Jesus the Son, by the Holy Ghost, to the elders in the church, to the leaders in the church, to the members of the church. It's very simple stuff. It's like an army. Most people in the modern church, when you start talking about commitment, You, get, you, you, you can chase some people off easy, easy. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, let's keep moving here with what we're talking about. But, uh, all right, I'll tidy that up. So, yes, I have had people come to me and tell me, you know, I was tithing here at Family of Faith. And I started thinking... Well, you know, I could just take my tithe and kind of give it to whoever I want to. And you can. I'm not going to say anything. If you, get a, if you win the lottery and you get a billion dollars, I'm not going to say nothing to you about your tithes and offerings. Because it's got to be a willing offering for me to receive it. If I'm telling you the whole tithe goes here to the local church, how do you know it's a willing offering? On the one hand, on the other hand, if you want to be in fellowship, my advice to you would, find, would be to find a fellowship where you can fellowship and participate on a deep level with the stream of teaching and preaching that's in that household. And if it's not here, like Pastor Micah heard him say it many times, I'll help you find a place where you, where you fit. So this, this term in, uh, in the dispensation of law is called, is the concept, is it is a contribution. Like you're contributing to the system. Nothing wrong with that. That was the dispensation that they're under. You are not under that dispensation anymore. I'm not asking you for a contribution. Amen? Say amen. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. worship you, Lord. Let me say this to you. You might want to write this down. I'll probably repeat this over the coming weeks. Listen to me carefully. Offerings do not produce wealth. Faith and obedience produces wealth. Offerings do not produce wealth. Faith and obedience is supposed to be what's producing wealth in your life. Uh, I know people that have given large gifts. And then to get an attitude about it, well, I gave this. I had, a, I had one individual gave us something a couple of years ago and started reminding me about it a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, dude, do you want it back? It's very unusual when you're a pastor and people say, well, I gave this to the church two or three years ago. And did you give it to the Lord or did you give it to me? Because if you gave it to the Lord, you're going to ask the Lord for your stuff back? (laughs) Everybody still love me? Everybody still love me? And I've seen some others where they gave large gifts. And then they say things like, Well, God, you better start coming across with my harvest. You better wake up. (laughs) And smell ye the coffee. (laughs) Amen? That's not how this works. Well, how does it work? Give me five weeks and I'll show you. You'll understand how this works. I got five Sundays in December. Amen? I mean, if you're going for any kind of a class or anything like that and you expected to learn everything they have to teach you in 30 minutes, you're, you're jiving yourself. That's why I'm asking you to get the podcast and listen carefully to the things that we say. Open your Bible in your spare time. Compare what we say with what the Bible says and let the Spirit of God minister to you. You need a rhema word from the Lord every day. I mean, you got the Logos in every motel room in America. Right? Is everything that happens in them motel rooms godly? Why not? They got the Logos. Huh? You need the Spirit of God to quicken a rhema word to you every day. God wants to speak to you every day. I can't hear nothing from God. Well, slow down. Before you leave your house in the morning, stop. Stop, drop, and roll. I mean, stop. Don't leave the house. Well, I just don't have time. I've had people tell me that. I don't have time. How much time are you on Facebook? How much time do you spend worrying? Praise the Lord. How much time do you spend stuck in traffic? That's a great place to pray. You got time for the Lord. You got the same time Moses had. You got the same time Jesus had. Come on. (laughs) Well, you don't understand. I got to get down to Wendy's and flip them hamburgers. All right. I hope that's not your source. I hope that's not your source. God wants to be your source. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God cannot and will not prosper me in violation of my faith and obedience. I'm not getting no amens, no holy grunts, no nothing here. What's going on? Everybody okay? I said God cannot and will not prosper me in violation of my faith and obedience. People say, well, it should have been working by now. How come it ain't working? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That don't sound like faith and obedience. God cannot and will not save you in violation of your faith and obedience. I thought it was just faith and no obedience. You, you, you heard the wrong message. Right. The Bible says that we're saved by faith, but James said, show me your faith without obedience. Can't be done. Amen. Yeah. You're not going to get saved in violation of your faith and obedience. Say amen. You, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this boldly. It's awful hard to get healed in violation of your faith and obedience. If I know that I'm doing something that's making me sick and I'm praying that God would heal me anyway. <laughs> there ain't no pill to cure what you got, bro. It's disobedience. Disobedience. God is not going to prosper you in violation of your faith and obedience. How does faith work? Well, I've been talking about faith just about every Sunday here for over four years. I can't just give you a little sound bite and tell you how faith works, but I'll try. You got to hear the right message. Say amen. Amen. The woman with the issue of blood, Mark chapter 5, verse 25, would you please put it up there? I'll give you a mini seminar on how faith works. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, a certain woman with an issue of blood, right? It says, when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his clothes, for she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now here's how it works. Go back to verse 25, please. <clears throat> A certain woman which, with an issue of blood 12 years. Next, please. And had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing uh, better, but rather grew worse. It was a terrible situation, and it was getting worse day by day, day by day for a period of 12 years. Now, if you're sick for 12 years and you go to the doctor once a week, how much money did you spend? A fortune. When she, number one, heard of Jesus, that's number one, how does faith work? You've got to hear the right message. She must have been hearing that Jesus was healing people if you could get anywhere close to him. Same thing is true today. If you can get anywhere near to the body of Christ, amen, even on your iPad, if you're getting, you're hearing the stream of the flow of the rhema word for the day from the head of the church through his ministers down to us, you can get your healing, amen. And you can even speak it out of your own mouth because you're the body of Christ. So number one is you got to hear the right message. Next verse, please. And then I'm going to ask you to go back. 28. For she said, you got to say the right thing. you got to hear the right message, number one. you got to say the right thing. The Amplified Bible says, for she said continually. She said it over and over and over and over and over. And if you say something over and over, I'm, gonna, I'm smiling. I'm trying to be sweet up here today, amen? If you say something over and over and over again, I don't care what it is, you're going to eventually have it. That's the way you're made. You cannot change it. You're either going to get tired of hearing yourself flapping your jaws or something's going to manifest. But if you say something continually, continually, that's the way God made you so that you can bring things into existence the same way that he did because we are created in his image. Say amen. Number one is what? Hear the right message. Number two is you've got to say it. You've got to agree with what you're hearing and you have to agree with it by saying. Go back a verse. 27. when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, next verse, first word, for, she came and touched him because she kept saying it. Number one, hear it. Number two, say it. Number three, your faith will eventually drive you, steer you, and guide you to faith-filled action. Number one, hear it. Number two, say it. Number three, do it. Say amen, please. Amen. Next, please. And immediately, straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. Then she felt it. That's number four. You may not feel it until you do one, two, and three. Yeah, that's right. No Bible reason why you should feel it, although God, in his sovereignty, can supersede. And say, I'm just going to bless somebody. He does that from time to time. Especially when you're out there on the cutting edge. Ministering the gospel in places where they've never heard it before. You'll see more miracles out there than you do in the church. Full of people that have been Kenneth Copeland partners for 30 years. Because we already done got ours. We should already understand these things. And we should not be begging God for a miracle. Amen. Amen. Praise, amen. Praise the Lord. When we've been raised in church. Praise the Lord. We should be learning to live by faith and incrementally walk by faith and receive from God every day. People out there that have never heard it, they are candidates for a miracle. God will do stuff in their life like crazy. (laughs) And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Next, please. And Jesus, immediately knowing in him that virtue had gone out of him, looked around to see who did this, right? Next verse, please. And his disciples said, hey, man, you know, I mean, everybody's ganging up on you here. What do you mean, who touched me? Next, please. He looked around about, he found her. He looked around until he found her, right? Next. The woman fearing and trembling, knowing. Say knowing. Knowing. Number one, hearing. Number two, saying. Number three, doing. Number four, feeling. Number five, knowing. You're going to have a knowing. A conceptual understanding of how faith works. This works in finances, friends. You get to a place where you know how this thing works, man. Woo-wee, that's some sweet territory there, man. You, like, like the thing that John went through. There's some things that's awful hard for some of us to learn. I wish I could learn everything by reading a book. But sometimes I had to get whooped up on real good to learn. Amen. I know I'm probably the only one, huh, Gary? <laughs> I had to stub my toe, fall flat on my face, make a fool out of myself to learn certain things. I don't recommend it. You don't, have to, you don't have to follow my example in every single thing I do. I do not, ex- I do not recommend you live the Christian life. I do not ex- uh, recommend that you get dragged down the same bumpy road I went down the last 30 years. But I did learn a couple things along the way. Amen. And one of those things that I learned is that when you come through this process, you will have a deep knowing of how the kingdom works. They couldn't beat it out of you with a hockey stick. You know how this works. And after you went through what you went through, John, and I've heard others tell me the same thing, I tried some other stuff. It sounded good, seemed good, felt good. And I came back under that covering of authority and it started working. Right, amen. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like Brother Copeland says, my lightning fast mind says, wait a minute, I think I understand something here. I come back under that divine flow of authority and things started working, almost like you snapped your fingers. Right. And I'm like... You think it's a coincidence, Jesus? No, it's not. It's not a coincidence. God will not prosper you in violation of your faith and obedience. Next, please. Uh, I'm sorry, go back, please. I got ahead of myself. The woman, uh, 33, there we are. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing, say knowing, knowing. what was done in her, came and fell down before him, told him all the truth. All right. Now, number six is telling. Telling. I don't recommend you broadcast everything you learned about faith when you're still in the hearing and the saying stage. When the seed is still being incubated. I don't recommend you broadcast it to all your not-head friends at work and your unbelieving relatives. Oh, Pastor Brian says all you got to do is say it and believe it and then put some money in the offering and everything's going to be okay. Stop that. Don't quiet. Don't say that. Don't say anything until you know. Well, do you mean I'm supposed to hide my candle under a bushel? No, you're supposed to tell everybody about Jesus all all the time. That's right. But when you're dealing with these, this is this is some advanced Christianity that we're teaching here. I mean, if you're trying to get out of a million dollars worth of debt, you don't need no interference. You don't need no demonic interference. You don't need no unbelief from your relatives, muddy in the waters, discouraging you. Amen. When you're walking through something like this, so I mean, play it close to the vest. Don't go telling everybody. Maybe tell your faith buddy what you're going through. Amen? Amen. Cindy, the Lord told us 10 years ago when God started opening our eyes to some of these things. I've been a a Kenneth Copeland partner for about 30 years. Isn't it amazing how you can go so long and know so little? God started opening our eyes a few years ago. And God spoke to Cindy and said, don't tell anybody. At your church, what, what you're, what, until you have an understanding of, what of how this works. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, so there's your little mini faith seminar on how faith works. God will not bless you in violation of your faith and obedience. Amen. Right? We have to have some real, genuine, not pretend faith in the area of finances. And it comes by hearing, and then by saying, and then by doing, then you're going to feel it. In other words, you're going to see your bank account start growing. Then you're going to know it. Then you can tell it. God will not bless you in violation of your faith. That's how faith works and obedience. Will God make you rich? Yes, He will. Where is God? The first place he said he wants to be. In some cold, dry building? Where's the first place that he always wanted to be from the beginning? In your house? Well, that's okay. Uh, He wanted a little bit closer. (laughs) A little bit closer. He wanted to be inside you. Blended together. With you. Will God make you rich? Where is God? I'm going to just say it to you like this. Want me to ask you one more time? Will God make you rich? Where is God? In me. Say, Jesus, I know you're in me. Did you ask him into your heart? Well, is he in there? Will God make, is he God? Will Jesus, will Jesus make you rich? How, does that, how is that wealth produced? You just get the lottery ticket, right? I used to buy lottery tickets. I had these little numbers, you know. The day I got saved, God was not impressed. <laughs> he told me, he says, is that how you want to get it? Why don't you let me bring it forth from the inside of you? Same thing with healing. You want to get well? You want to get healed? It's one thing. We can lay hands on you, and we will. But, buddy, when it comes up from the inside of you, can't nobody take it from you. Because you're going to know how this works. Then you can tell how this works. And your testimony won't be, I went down to that church, and they prayed for me, and I got well. That's a good testimony. That will bring people in. You raise a couple of dead folks, and we won't be able to hold them here in this building. Amen? What people fail to understand is after you've been walking with the Lord for a while, He expects you to get up and walk by faith on your own. Just like we expect our children to get up and walk on their own. You notice I didn't have to carry Michael in here today. Huh? We saw that. Huh? I mean, it's just been weeks since we had to feed him and everything, you know? No, God expects us to grow up and take care of ourselves. Come on! Come on! God doesn't expect people that have been walking with him for 25, 30, 40 years to have no concept of how to walk by faith. That's not normal in the kingdom. Alright, you ready? Four words. My spirit produces wealth. <laughs> My sp- say it. My spirit, My spirit. produces wealth. People say sometimes, well, God told me. Yeah, yeah, God told you. But where is God? How does he want to guide you? Brian, don't be such a dummy. No, that's not how God wants to guide me. He has a much more sophisticated system of communicating with his gente, his people. When me and Cindy are out somewhere, we were somewhere in a social situation yesterday and i was beat i wanted to go home i was wearing fancy clothes and i wanted to get out of them fancy clothes and get in some elastic bless god and i just looked at her <laughs> like i wanted to go help me <laughs> but i just gave her a little right subtle communication she knows exactly what i'm talking about right and she, somebody asked her to go back to the dessert table and get some more cookies. She didn't really want to do it, but she didn't want to hurt their feelings. But she wanted to let me know that she knows that I know that she knows I know that I know that she knows. <laughs> that I want to go home. So she just went like that. And that said everything right there, just like that. She said, I got you, big boy. Just que Everything's going to be all right here in a minute, all right? Be good, behave yourself, stand there looking handsome. You look really good. I like that color on you, yes. That was all in that look, right? God wants to have a subtle system, a sensitive, a sophisticated system of communicating with his people. How is he doing it? How is he doing it? How is God going to guide you to wealth? Do you need a big glory ball to smite you out of the heavens and say, invest in XYZ stock? Is that what you need? or can God just go like that I used to work with a guy (laughs) you remember Jose anybody know Jose Jose when he wanted a shovel he'd go like that (laughs) he wants a shovel I'm over here and he's like I look he goes like that (laughs) I was somewhere the other day I don't know where were we and I whistled and a whole family turned around like that (laughs) you know God wants to communicate with you on a, on a sophisticated level. I mean, he is really smart. He knows how to get a goose to fly south for the winter. How many, how many geese would it take to match your your cranial capacity? <laughs> Several, I'm sure, right? <laughs> right? Come on. God has a very sophisticated way of communicating with us. Are we listening to him? Are we candidates for that sophisticated system. i got this wire going all the way down my sleeve. Now, I don't know why. I don't know. (laughs) I needed somebody to... Okay. Praise the Lord. Did I just... Am I on still? Did I disconnect it? We good? All right. This is what happens when you have to have two microphones. Okay. All right. Quit crying. Well, we're in a new dispensation now. Say new dispensation. New dispensation. That just means God deals with people... Under certain concepts in different time periods. Now some things are universal and they don't change. Faith was universal from Adam to Moses to us. Right? Obedience. Come on. Come on. Well I thought we were in the New Testament. We don't have to obey God no more. You better, <laughs> you better tune in a little bit sharper. I don't know you're on the wrong band or something. I don't believe that, I don't teach that, and there's not a a legitimate man of God that I've ever known in my whole life that'll tell you you don't have to obey God no more. Amen. Faith and obedience are universal concepts that move through the whole Bible. But God has dispensational dealings with mankind that change from one period of time to the next. Let me give you a perfect example. In the dispensation of innocence where Adam and Eve were in the garden, What's the main number one dif- uh, difference that comes across your fertile mind when we talk about the dispensation of innocence? They didn't wear what? Clothing. We're in a different dispensation now, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can tell there'd be something wrong if we all showed up half clad or something or less, right? Right? There's something wrong. Oh, wait, wait a minute. By the same token? Aren't you glad that you don't have to bring a lamb or a bull or a goat to church every time? To offer a blood sacrifice. Because God's not dealing with you under that dispensation anymore. Amen. We have a friend who was telling us the other day, Well, I can't quit smoking. And so God's mad at me. And that's why I can't hear from God. Because God's mad at me because I can't quit smoking. And I thought to myself, you know, that's a that's a rough problem you got there. If only we could come up with some way to appease an angry God through some kind of a payment system or sacrifice system. <laughs> yeah. If only there was somebody that could pay the price for your sins, then you could come to God with a clear conscience. Oh. Man, I just If only, God, have you thought this over? Is there, do you have any ideas for us here? And this is a Christian. Isn't it amazing that Christians don't understand what the blood of Jesus is for? Now, I'm not recommending you smoke. Unless you're willing to share. Just just kidding. Just kidding. This is Colorado. You got (laughs) to. I haven't smoked since July 13th, 1988. And I've not missed it. Man, I smoked every day like packs. (laughs) Anything you can set on fire, we smoked it. But July 13th, 1988, I mean, God just came to me. and We had a little conversation. That was it. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. No, God has dispensations, uh, dispensational dealings with mankind. We're about to enter into a new dispensation called the millennium. And things are going to change again. Part of my job is to prepare you for that dispensation. Because presumably... You are going to be in control of planet Earth. The church is going to be in control of planet Earth when we enter the millennium. Brother Gary used to say, you're going to be riding a winged rhinoceros with a golden saddle in the millennium. (laughs) I I think that's fanciful, but uh, sounds good. But the fact is, is that you and I, Jesus said, if you're faithful, he's going to make you master over much. There's coming a time when we're going to face judgment. And if you've been faithful, you're going to qualify for more responsibility in the next world. That's a new dispensation that's coming. And it could be it could start any moment. But in this dispensation that we are living in, let me just share with you a couple of Bible facts here real quickly. Uh, I looked up some words in the Bible. I looked up offering in the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, it's it's... Many, many times, probably hundreds of times in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, especially in the letters to the church, and as far as I know in the, in, uh, the Gospels as well, from Matthew to Revelation, not one time that I see is the church commanded to bring an offering. Now, I'm going to look at it again. When I say stuff like that, I go back and look at it again. But think about that. Not one time is the church, the apostles say, I command you to give offerings to the apostles, to the pastor, or anybody. Not once. Woo, Brian, that means we don't have to give no more offerings, right? No, you don't. I guess not. Giving. I looked up the word giving. In one reference in the book of Philippians... Philippians 4.15, one reference. Now, the Bible, the Bible concept is you do not build a doctrine on one scripture. Don't do it. You've got to have in the mouth of two or three witnesses to have a Bible concept. Amen? Yeah. Philippians 4.15, now you, Paul writing to his partners, say partners, in Philippi. He says, now you Philippians know how in the beginning of the gospel... When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated, say communicated, communicated. with me in, as concerning giving and receiving only you guys. That's the only reference where the apostle says anything to a church about giving. Money. Let that sink in just a little bit. Why would God change his M.O.? Because in the Old Testament, under Moses, he said, let every single one of you bring an offering. Let's make sure it's willing. Because if it's not willing, Moses, don't receive it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of judgment in that, isn't there? There's a lot of law in that, isn't there? In the New Testament, not once. Really, Lord? I'm looking at this, I'm saying, all right, Lord, you're opening my eyes. Okay, now you're you're hanging me out to dry. What's the punchline? So in my studies I keep I keep going here giving is usually related to the giving of anybody know anybody know thanks thanks over and over and over and over and over again in the letters to the church he says uh, in uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 he says giving of thanks Giving of thanks, giving of thanks. That is the giving that we are required to do in the New Testament. Giving of thanks. Really, Pastor? What about money? We'll get to that. The new concept, the New Testament concept for giving is expressed in a Greek word. You want to hear me try to say a Greek word? The noun is koinonio. The verb is koinonia. It means partnership, distribution, fellowship, and communication. Now, I've been in church my whole life. I've never heard it like that. Say partnership. When you, I'm just, I don't have any other words to say. I'm going to say give offerings in church. It's not a bad word, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little reluctant to use terminology that the New Testament doesn't use to a New Testament church. That's you. When we give offerings, it is supposed to be in partnership. And I got to tell you, the New Testament words is a very deep, very intimate partnership like a husband and wife together. That's the kind of partnership that we're supposed to enjoy in the New Testament church. That's the challenge of the New Testament church. Because in this modern culture, we want to keep a safe distance. <laughs> oh, I love y'all. Man, I love you. That's why I'm telling you the truth. Anybody have heard my little merry-go-round? You ever seen my merry-go-round YouTubes? Yep. Huh? You ever see these guys on merry-go-rounds and they put a motorcycle on that thing? And they, and they make it go around real fast. One guy runs, puts a motorcycle tire on the edge of that merry-go-round. And everybody's trying to hang on to it. You get three or four guys trying to hang on to it. And you get going so fast that there's only one way to stay on that merry-go-round. And that is to get in the middle and hang on for dear life, right? If you're out here on the edge, forget it. The centrifugal force will throw you off. You're too far from the center. And in the modern church, as a pastor, this is what I see people don't want to get too close. They don't want to get. You know why? You know why? Again, I'm going to use a Pastor Garyism. They've been wounded at the cleaving site. You know, the Bible says that when a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves unto his wife, Then the two of them shall become one flesh. It's a concept that you could illustrate with uh, uh, grafting trees. Have you ever gone out and you see a tree in the landscape and it's got one kind of tree on top and there's other kinds of trees growing up from the roots? Anybody ever seen that? That's because they will take a root ball from one tree and cut it off and take another tree, a fruit tree that may not do so well in this climate and graft it onto that root ball and they tie it up and they do whatever they do, a rain dance or whatever they do over it, right? It's called grafting. It works. It's a real thing. They do it at the nursery all the time. And it is a tree of one kind and a root of another. And that is a picture of a husband and wife. God puts us together. Hmm... For his purposes. And the reason that I see as a pastor that people don't want to get too close to that center of that merry-go-round, right? Is because they've been wounded at the cleaving site, like Pastor Gary used to say. Because you have a place in you for connection. And it's been broken it's been wounded through mistrust, distrust. You've been disappointed. Sometimes we've been disappointed with people. Sometimes men and women in in marriage or relationships, things have gone wrong. And there's a wound there. And so, Sometimes we we say things like, I'll never trust another woman ever again. I'll never trust another man ever I know I'm never getting married again. Not after that, what that foe did to me. You've been wounded at the cleaving site. Sometimes our parents, who are supposed to model godly marriage to us, bless their darling hearts, they failed a little bit. Don't condemn them. And don't say things like, "I'll never turn out to be like them." That's the quickest way I know to be exactly like every one of their aggravating qualities are going to be duplicated and replicated in your life, and you're going to wake up one day and say, "I'm just like them." I just embraced it. I said, "You know what? I walk like my dad. I t- they told me to hate my dad. I was 11 years old. Religious people from church told me, "Your dad's the devil. He's going to hell." They taught me to hate him and distrust him. It took God Almighty to heal that, that, that place in my heart. I went to a, 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 I mean, I started going to church and letting God deal with me. I called my dad on the phone and said, Dad, I was a first-class jerk to you my whole life. And at the end of his life, me and my dad were best friends. God healed that. But you've been wounded at that place of intimacy you've been wounded at that place of trust I know I'm, i know who I'm talking to come on now I was too it's not easy to get over that but God can do it but don't let the devil deceive you into thinking that you can never and shall never and must never ever trust ever again because the New Testament model for your giving is what it's communication. It's, dis- it's distribution. It's partnership. It's intimate partnership with you and your local church. <laughs> and a lot of people have been hurt in church. Breaking news. It's the crawler across the bottom of the screen. A lot of folks been hurt in church. Yes. Huh? Yeah. You think the devil's got a strategy? Right. To get you out of the New Testament model of giving? And to get you in some kind of legalistic Model of giving that bears no fruit. Because I can just tell you, partnership can make you rich. If you associate on a deep level, and it's going to be a constant temptation to distrust. The elders that God has connected you with. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. One of my most uh, grave responsibilities in this church is to see to it, make absolutely sure, that you have clean, fertile soil to plant seed in in this church. That the finances are handled properly. That I handle my business properly. That I, that I model a godly marriage, not just in church, but when we're at home. In the car on the way to church. We had a good ride to church today, didn't we? Yeah, she, was, she obeyed herself, behaved herself quite well. It was nice. Amen. Amen. <laughs> You're going to be tempted to have dumb arguments on the way to church, right? You ever notice you're not tempted to have a dumb argument on the way to a football game? It's, all, it's always when you're going to church. That's because Satan's plot is to break that partnership with those that God has set in your life. I could just preach on this one word, koinonia, for, for years but I want you to get a revelation of how this works. It doesn't just work because you put money in an envelope. And we've already taken the offering, right? 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 So I'm not, gonna, I'm not working you for money. I'm saying that again. But there's something about the trust that makes it work. I mean, husbands and wives, I mean, you could be going through all the motions and doing things that married people do. But if there's a secret place in your heart, men, that you don't give to your wife and you reserve that either for yourself or for some other woman or for some hobby or whatever, then you you don't have that deep intimate level of partnership and koinonia fellowship. You don't have it. You have to welcome that woman into every secret place in your heart to have a godly marriage. Women, it's the same thing. And this culture will teach you and rigorously indoctrinate you. Don't ever let that man into every part of your life. I mean, movies, theater, music, everything is is subliminally indoctrinating our girls and, and, and boys to distrust. To distrust on a subliminal level where you don't realize That there's broken trust there. You think you're okay. You think you're right, but there's broken trust. Let me say this to you, and then I'm going to close, all right? I could just go for hours, but I'm going to let you go. You know what an inoculation is? An inoculation, they'll they'll give you the synthetic smallpox and shoot it in your arm, right? You get that little scab-looking scar thing on your shoulder. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're inoculating you against smallpox with a synthetic smallpox. You following me? Your body begins to produce something called antibodies. Your body is very intelligent. (laughs) Your body senses that there is an enemy in the body and it begins to send out these little uh, (laughs) soldiers let's call them antibodies, to defeat that enemy. They surround it, they encase it, they enclose it, and they kill it. That's what antibodies do. Right? And that happens without you even thinking about it. It's amazing, isn't it? So that when the real thing comes, your body already has an active defense mechanism set up to defeat it instantly. So that if smallpox ever touches your body, it dies before it can even penetrate your first level of defense. Can you follow me? Religion is an inoculation against the gospel. It just is. And most of us have been inoculated with so much religion that when the real thing comes, you just reject it. Subliminally, without even thinking. You don't even have to think. It's subliminal. My job is to help you break down those subliminal barriers and let the truth come in. Let the light of God's word and truth get into your heart where it can make a difference. Your giving, your spirit will produce wealth. Satan's plan is to defeat that process by breaking trust with God's family. See, here's the thing that I can't change. I can't change this. God called me to stand right here to be the elder of this assembly, whether it's just you or a thousand of us or if it's just one or two, whatever it is. My, he told me, do this. Here I am doing it. That means if you trust me, ooh, I could just feel the wheels grinding. Like, <laughs> right? It's like, all right, come on, take, take, release the brake, the emergency brake. Come on. Just, you never use that emergency brake anyway. Come on. I cut the cable on mine on my blazer. I don't mean, need no emergency brake. Right? I can just just release the emergency brake and let's let this thing roll here, okay? You have to trust the man of God that God has put in your life for this to work for you. I can't change that. I don't need no man of God. You've been wounded in the cleaving site. I don't need nobody over me. <laughs> I do. I sat down with my elders last Tuesday and I said, Counsel with me. Talk to me. Help me instruct me correct me if I can do it you can do it amen 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 praise the Lord praise the Lord all right why don't you stand up with me please so I had about 19 pages of notes today I made it halfway through page one so we got plenty of material for next week why don't you bring somebody because God has given us revelation in this church that is so rare so vital so meaningful and you can actually put it to practice. The next time you get ready to sow any seed in any kingdom op- uh, operation, anything. By the way, very quickly, our, uh, our, uh, did you see that our building seed is $10,010.83? Did you see that? Our building seed. And something's getting ready to happen on our building. I'll have more for you. But I'm going to be teaching on giving and on finances. And if you'll just take what I'm, what I'm, I'm just telling you, if you'll just take what I'm giving you, what I'm teaching you here this month, you can change any financial situation. Oh, I'm already pretty good, Pastor. Well, you want to get better? Or are you just going to just stay right where you're at? See, for some people, they're like, well, I just don't go to the doctor very often and, and you know, my bills are paid and, 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 and me and Mama Nim's okay. What about a lost and dying world? Yeah. Isn't that why God wants to make you rich? I mean, it, it's going to cost us money to expand and reach thousands. You know that, right? If all I'm thinking about is me and my stuff, and you, you may not be hearing the right message because I don't preach that. I don't say, if you'll just do what I say, all your troubles will go. Some of the stuff I teach you may create a little bit of problems in your life, right? Because I'm challenging you to go to a place where you may not be too comfortable no more. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Say we love you anyway, Pastor. (laughs) Crickets, crickets. Okay, all right. (laughs) All right. Is there anybody here today? And you would say...